protect those lives, those souls that came to you. May they know you. May they grow in you. May you send revival to our city. God, thank you for showing up and changing lives. God, you do it over and over again. We thank you for changing our lives and letting us be a part. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Met several people that are a part of our church because of the crusade. I want to say welcome to them. It's an honor and privilege to be a part of that. Today is a different kind of service. I don't know the last time we have done an ordination here at Christian Life Church on a Sunday morning. So this is something very, very special. We are setting aside Jonathan Jensen for a life of ministry. You could say, well, aren't we all called to minister? And we'd say, yes, we're all called to minister inside the body of Christ, but we are called to discipleship. And there are a few that God places his hand on with a specific call to an office ministry inside of his church. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12 says, Now there are these gifts Christ gave to his church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. While we're all called to serve the Lord, while we're all called to be his disciples, God places his hand on a few men and women and calls them into these specific ministry offices that will allow the church to be built up and edified, that allows us to be taught how to do the work of ministry. They are the ones that build the church in the name of Jesus Christ. They bring unity, as this passage says, to the church. They promote knowledge and maturity to the members of the church, and they help us to be more like Christ. And so we recognize this call on Jonathan's life. And this is a call that God recognized early on in the Old Testament with Aaron and his sons as they were consecrated for the ministry of the priesthood. And it continued through the judges, the men and women that God called to lead Israel and the commissioning that God gave them. We see in 2 Kings when Elijah puts his mantle on Elisha and and gives him the commission. And it's not just Elisha, all of the prophets that we see in the Bible were commissioned by God, and you can read their testimonies in their various books. But in the New Testament, it continues because Jesus had hundreds, if not thousands, of people that followed him every day, and yet he chose 12 to be his disciples. And then beyond that, we see in the early church, in the book of Acts, and continuing on into Paul's letters, the laying on of hands to specific members in the body that were called to lead the church. And We see that not only in the original apostles and the deacons, but we also see it as Paul comes to the end of his life in 2 Timothy, and we see people like Titus and Timothy and many others mentioned in those books where they begin to lay hands on these men that would lead the church. And so there is this moment that we are going to have today where we lay our hands on Jonathan and commission him for a lifetime of ministry and service to the the church of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.6, talking to Timothy, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. We're going to lay our hands on Jonathan. So what is ordination? What are we doing? We are technically granting Jonathan pastoral authority and power. We're appointing him. God has called him, but we are appointing him to that task. And so now he will legally be able to do all the the offices of a pastor, such as marrying and uh, weddings and funerals and and, uh, all the different things in the sacraments of the church. It's important to note this, though, and this is just what I want to say before we start the actual ordination ceremony, is that 
we are not granting this to Jonathan. Jonathan has been called by God, and we're just recognizing it. This is not an honor that you take for yourself. This is an honor that God gives. And we've seen in Jonathan's life that he's been called and qualified by God, and that Jonathan has been faithful in service to the Lord. And so we're recognizing and confirming this call as a congregation. Later on, we'll ask you to stand, and we will ask you to confirm that call before we lay our hands on him. And so it's important to note that John did not receive this call from Christian Life Church or from Pastor Daryl or even from his family. He received this call from his Father in heaven, and God has equipped him for the call. Jonathan has given evidence to the call on his life, not only by serving the church, but in his understanding of the scriptures and studying him and his theology, and he also fits the qualifications for those in leadership in church. And we won't take time to read them today, but if you would like to read them, they're found in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 6, and Titus 1, 5 through 9. And those are the qualifications for those that lead the church of Jesus Christ. And so as we begin today, and it's so good to have Jonathan and Rebecca here on the front row, and uh, I'm going to begin with a passage that I think of often. And Jonathan, I hope you remember this uh, passage the rest of your life, but it's 1 Peter 5, verses 2 through 4. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it, but be eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. When we begin, we always have a recommendation for ministry. And um, that's somebody who has seen the life of the candidate and can tell of God's call. And uh, we've known Jonathan for the past number of years, and we as a congregation can definitely affirm that call. But who better to share uh, the recommendation for ministry but the man that has watched Jonathan his whole life, Jonathan's dad, and it's such a pleasure to have John and Rosemary Jensen with us today. But John, would you mind coming and giving a recommendation for your son to the ministry? Praise God. And I've already had a few this morning that said, has Rosemary been crying with all this going on? But the truth be known, I'm really the emotional time bomb. <laughs> so I'm most likely to burst out in tears or start jumping across the platform. But uh, I'm just so thankful for what God has done in, in Jonathan's life and, and in our family. You know, it was just, I'm thinking back three years ago, Rosemary's dad and mom and my mom were here when Jonathan, we did this for when he became licensed. And little did we know that a few months later, my mom, who had faithfully served the Lord for many, many years by my dad's side and ministered to many churches, would be taken home to be with the Lord. And Rosemary's mom, a little bit a year, slightly a year later, who never knew Christ but accepted the Lord before she went to be with the Lord. Both of them are gone now. Both of them are in heaven. 
And this is just part of our heritage that we have in, in the Lord and what God has done. We just never know as we commit ourselves to him and allow him to work and move in our lives. I want to share something about 14 years ago. And Jonathan was in fifth grade. And this is something I keep in my Bible, and, and I cry practically every time I read it. So here, here's what it was. It was it was one of Jonathan's teachers, and uh, he'd given her a Christmas gift. And uh, this is what she sent back as a thank you note. Thank you so very much for thinking of me. Your Christmas gift is special. You haven't realized it but you have given me a Christmas gift every day. I really should say gifts. I'll list them for you. They are very precious to me. You are respectful, kind, caring, thoughtful, honest, trustworthy, attentive to every lesson. Pastor Merrill might have a follow-up for that later. <laughs> you do your very best, and you have a great friendly smile. I am blessed that I have you for a student. And as a dad, at that time he was a very young, he was young, obviously, fifth grade. I mean, that was just the, just the beginning of what God was beginning to do in Jonathan's life and in his ministry. He wasn't a perfect child. We weren't perfect parents. But God blessed us with two wonderful young men that are young men now. And we are thankful for what God has done and what he continues to do. You know, we as parents, we can only do our best to teach them and to show them, try to be by example. We're, we're not perfect. We've made many mistakes over the years. But all you can do is present them to the Lord and believe that God will take care of them and will minister through them. And God has done that in our boys, and we feel extremely blessed with, with our boys, and especially today for Jonathan and, and for Rebecca being part of his life as well. We feel abundantly blessed. And I look back into the heritage that we have through the many years that my dad served in little country churches where his heart was burdened to touch lives. And I think about how there were times in my dad's little churches when one person would show up. One person. And when we had church, my dad preached one like he would preach to 100. It didn't matter because God had placed a call in his life. And he knew he was where God wanted him to be. And the fruits that he bore in those little country churches are multiplied over and over again through our lives, through the lives that he touched in those little country churches, and through his grandson as he's here today to stand forward. And I know my dad would be busting buttons with pride if he was here today. I am so thankful for God's calling and direction. And I admonish Jonathan to continue on with that heritage that he has. That with all of our heart and soul, 
to give God all glory and all praise. You know, my dad barely got enough money to pay for the gasoline to get to church, but his heart and his passion was there because he cared about his people. He ministered to the one. Our house was full of teenagers all the time that my God, that my dad ministered to. And I know that God has placed that same passion on Jonathan to continue to minister for him, to continue to lift him up to the one or to the 100 or to the 1,000 or the 1 million, whatever God has for his life. And I see God moving in such a mighty way. I stand back in awe at what God is doing. I've had people here in this church said, thank you for allowing us to have Jonathan, like we had a choice. We don't have choice. If it was our choice, he'd be at my church. I'm sorry. I'm selfish in that way. But God has other plans, and, and God's plans are greater than mom and dad, than grandpa. And, and we just see God continue to bless and to move in Jonathan and Rebecca's ministry. And they are strong as a team, and I'm so blessed that they are, they are part of our family. And today, I just encourage Jonathan, continue to go forward for Christ. Carry on that heritage. It's not about the money. It's about the call of God in life. I encourage each one of you, stir within yourselves to serve God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your workplace. In every place you go, allow the Holy Spirit of God to minister through you and touch lives and see what God will do as God continues to bless and to move in your life. I know millions will be touched through the influence of one man, and that's Jonathan today. Sounds like there's been uh, much seed sown for generations and that God is continuing to bless. You never know what seed you're sowing for future generations as you live for him today. Uh, Pastor Merrill is in India, obviously, and, and unable to be here today, but he uh, confirms the call on Jonathan's life, as well as Pastor Harry, our other ordained pastor here on staff, who is uh, uh, temporarily filling in and has been for well over a year now at All Nations Church in Homewood, Illinois, as their interim pastor. So our church is definitely blessing many churches, but uh, uh, we, we thought it would be appropriate uh, because of, of their relationship and also an ordained pastor on our staff if uh, Pastor Fred would come and give the scriptural charge to Jonathan uh, for ministry. Pastor Fred, would you come? So many things to share. So little time. <laughs> I, uh, I think back to my own ordination, which uh, I, I was part of many pastors that were being ordained at the same time that evening, and so I didn't have as much of a special attention as you have, Jonathan. So this is, this is really a very special day. And I, uh, as I've told many uh, students over the years, that life is about gathering keys to unlock doors. And your high school graduation was a key, and your college graduation is a key. Your uh, master's degree program will be another key. But the ordination is a very powerful key because it unlocks doors that are closed to thousands of people. Uh, and it gives you an opportunity to do some amazing things and to touch some, 
touch lives, as your dad said, potentially millions of people. And as I, uh, as Pastor Darrell had asked me to share this charge, uh, the Lord directed my attention to the words of Christ. When he was talking to his disciples in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as I thought about that, I realized, uh, John, you need to preach Christ. Crucified, risen, and coming again. And you need to take hold of those three things that he talked about himself when he said, I am the way. Well, you found the way. You've been walking in it for a long time. But you need to stay in that way, and you need to use, use your influence now to have other people follow you in that way. Show them the way, but then lead them in that way, uh, and that way being Christ, so that you'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. The second thing he says is that he is the truth. Well, you've learned it. You've been here at Christian Life College, and through life you've learned truth. You've experienced it, and I encourage you to live it. Don't ever let anything, anything, compromise the truth in your life. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the consequences, preach the truth. Live the truth and tell the truth, and God will bless you. The Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth, John 16:13. The Holy Spirit, that's what he does. That's his job. As you yield to the Holy Spirit, he will, t- he will take you into that area. Of truth. And then finally, Christ is the life. Preach life to all who will listen. Don't preach doctrine. Don't preach theology. Don't preach all that. I know I'm going to be shot here in a second by some professors, but preach life. Life. That's what people are looking for. There'll be doctrine. There'll be theology in there, but make sure that they hear the words of life so that they'll be set free. No one comes to the Father but through Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And I just want to challenge you with the power of of what he said. Jesus is not a way, he's not a truth, and he is not a life. He is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to preach. There's no other message to share. And that's the exciting thing about the Word of God. It's the truth. And you can preach it with, uh, with confidence. I want to finally give you this charge that uh, the Apostle Paul gave to Timothy, and it's so appropriate today. Beginning in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. God bless you, Jonathan, and soon you'll be welcomed into a very amazing group of men and women, the ordained of God.
God bless you. Invite Jonathan up here. We're going to lay our hands on him and pray for him and uh, read some scripture as well as uh, ask you to be a part of this. Um, so go ahead and kneel. This chair is actually uh, from our original church uh, in Displains, the, the country church that we were a part of. My dad came to pastor. I remember him sitting on this chair. The day he came to pastor the church, there were four people in the church. And now look at us today, um, 30 years later. God's blessed us. And, uh, and it's just an honor and a privilege to pray over Jonathan. There's sometimes I come down to the prayer room, just sit in this chair and uh, just experience the presence of the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And I'm going to ask you to respond and um, respond in the way that I, that I ask you to to do. Do you acknowledge the call of God on Jonathan's life? If so, answer, we do. We do. Will you support Jonathan in his call? If so, answer, we will. We will. Pastor Fred, would you begin us with a time of prayer? Heavenly Father, it's, this is a very special, hallowed time. For Father Jonathan has not only expressed a desire to preach, he has demonstrated that desire. He has touched the lives of young people, literally thousands of them, around this country. And Father, I believe that it'll be around the world. Father, today is a day the enemy despises, but Father, all of heaven is rejoicing. For another young man has stepped forward and said, I will accept the responsibilities. I will endure hardship. I will preach the word. I will be all that God has called me to be. And Father, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I thank you, Lord, that you have already raised up the standard and that Jonathan will, will reach to that standard and hold fast to it. And he will rise up and he will show that standard in the face of the enemy and say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not turning from my call. I'm not turning away from what God has God has spoken to me and what God has placed on my life. So, Father, today as he accepts all the responsibilities, all the privileges, all the blessings, all of the honor of being an ordained minister of the gospel, I thank you, Lord, that he is not only my brother in Christ, my fellow servant, my friend, but now a fellow minister and all that that means. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you, God, for a life that is uh, called and dedicated to you. God, I thank you that you use the foolish to shame the wise, use the weak to shame the strong. God, that you are going to raise Jonathan up and that you are going to make him mighty, that he will walk in a life of service to you. Lord, just as you came in a manger and preached your final sermon on a cross, God, you're going to use him in strange and unusual ways. For the Lord would say to you, Jonathan, that a human father and grandfather has not called you, but I have called you, says the Lord. I will walk with you. I will equip you. I will be with you. God, we thank you for the call that you've placed upon his life. We pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would be upon him every time he steps into a pulpit or into a hospital room whether it be a classroom 
or in a room full of teenagers. God, may he walk in the anointing that you placed upon his life. May he be the one that is called to build up the church, to equip the church for good works. God, we thank you for the power of Jesus that is in him. God, we pray that you would be with him, that he would see with your eyes, that he would work with your hands, God. Lord, that your work and will would be done in and through him, God. We thank you for what you've done, and we set him aside for a life of ministry to you, ordained by God, not by man, called by you, qualified by you, equipped by you to do a life of service for you, your church, and your kingdom. As it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, May the God of peace, who brought us up from the dead, brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. 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 Our, uh, our final uh, presentation is the, um, is the ordination certificate. This is to certify that Jonathan Jensen has given evidence to the divine gift and call to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been consecrated to that call and ministry by prayer and the laying on of hands in accordance with the teaching of the Holy Scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and is hereby ordained to preach the word, administer the Christian ordinances, solemnize matrimony, and feed the flock of God, and is so ordained and recognized by Christian Life Church, being duly set apart and ordained to the ministry on the 31st day of October 2010, given under the church seal. And, um, and finally, oh, don't go. One more gift. Oh boy. There's one more gift that we want to give on behalf of the church. The most expensive Bible I've ever seen in my life. But um, it's the NIV Minister's Bible that includes ministry resources such as practical guides to visitation, weddings, funerals, and other key topics, as well as a, a bunch of other things that uh, helps uh, in ministry. And so we want to present that, and it's signed by the church for you, and so God bless you. You may be seated, and the final uh, part of our, our ceremony this morning is uh, Pastor Jonathan's response uh, to the call of God and his word for us. And uh, so if you get your Bibles out, I know he's going to come from the word of God this morning. Uh, it won't be long, but it is a response to the call of God in his life. And so one more time, welcome Pastor Jonathan Jensen. Amen. Well, if I can just start by saying thank you so much for allowing me to go through this process here at Christian Life Church. Who would have thought five years ago when I moved here to Chicago, chasing my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, that I would be here 
being ordained at Christian Life Church. And it's such an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this here. And I just want to say just a, a couple brief things before we leave this morning. Can we turn on our Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 14? Again, that's Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 14. It's too bad Pastor Merrill wasn't here to see this. And I don't mean the ordainment, I mean me in a suit. That's what <laughs> Somebody's got to give him a picture or something. Otherwise, he, won't, he may not believe it. I don't know. Romans chapter 12, verses 8. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 14. It says this, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Is there anybody here that has an obligation, any type of obligation in their lives? I would... Assume so. Well, let me give you another one. Uh, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. And in verse 14, it says, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There's just a couple parts that I'd like to really highlight and pull out for us this morning. And the first word out of this scripture is this, it's obligation. I asked how many of us had obligations, and I want to first of all say that of course this obligation that the text is referring to is this obligation that we have as disciples of Jesus Christ, living for Him wholeheartedly, our hearts cry for Him. Of course this means an obligation to God, but, but the actual definition of the word obligation as we see it today, is one word, and it's simply duty. Duty. And I feel that, of course, we have this duty and this obligation to serve Christ, but, but I want us to expand this a little bit, and I want us to see that we have a lot of obligations in life, don't we? We have so many obligations in this life, but, but the, the thing that I want to really highlight today is what is your obligation? What is your life's calling? What are you called in this earth to be, what are you called on this earth to do? We are not here without purpose, but we have a reason and we have a duty for being here. God has called us to something. So as we think about those things, whatever it may be, maybe it's working with kids, maybe it's, it's, it's evangelizing, maybe it's teaching, maybe it's counseling, God forbid, maybe it's working with youth. Uh, there's, there's, so many, there's so many things that we can be called to in our lives. For some of it, it's being a parent. For some of it, it's being a husband or a wife. We, we have these callings, these obligations that are ordained on our lives. And the second part I want to highlight, if we can kind of put our obligations kind of in the back of our minds for a quick second, but the second part I want to highlight is the part that says, Son of God. We are sons and daughters of God, are we not? And there's something I want to identify from this, because as our obligation, we have a duty. We have a duty. But as we are seeing this text here saying, Son of God, we are also dependents. Dependents. We have a duty, but we are also dependents. And it's interesting, the actual definition of dependence is a person who relies on another as a primary source. Is there anybody in this room today that relies on God as a primary source in their lives? We are dependents of God. There's so much more than when we say, oh, we're just sons of God. We are dependents of God. When I was growing up in high school, I was a dependent of my parents. I was broke, and when I needed money, I went to them because I was a dependent. And when we are in times of struggle, when we are in times of need, when we cannot last on our own, we are dependents 
of God. And I highlight these two things and I, I bring them up because I want to see, I want us to understand and kind of uh, take in how do we connect the two of these things? Because first of all, we have obligations. We have an obligation, we have a calling on our lives to be here on this planet. But second of all, we have a dependence to God. We are in Him a son of God or a daughter of God. So what I really want us to pull together this morning is bringing who we are in Christ just knowing who we are in Christ and connecting it with the divine calling and the divine duty that He has on our lives. How do we sync these two together? How do we become all that God has called us to be on this planet? As His dependent, we must follow His Spirit's lead in order to accomplish our obligation. It is the leading of the Spirit that connects us. It is the leading of the Spirit that doesn't just make us sons of God, but it also gives us purpose and drive and everything we need to fulfill His obligations that He wants to fulfill through us. God has a purpose for us to be on this planet. For me, it is fulfilling the call of an ordained minister at this point forward. I have an obligation, but it, you know, in a way, I almost also feel like a son of ministry, because I was actually raised in ministry. My father mentioned how my grandfather kind of started this chaotic walk through ministry by uh, pastoring and being ordained and pastoring several country churches. And as my dad said, sometimes there was nobody there, but he had a heart and a passion for Jesus Christ. They never had a lot of money. They never had a lot of resources in their life, but he had a calling on his life to serve Jesus Christ through the way of the ministry and to preach at these local churches. But it didn't just stop with my grandfather because it went down to my father who is a worship leader and a deacon and a strong man of God in our house and in everywhere he went we could see his service to God in ministry and in our family. He was a man of God and I could follow after his footsteps into the call that God has on my life because you see, I actually was raised and the reason I say I feel like a son of ministry is because I almost feel like I was raised in a church. Uh, it, it's so interesting. My, my first ministerial position was actually a, a janitor with my family. It was a, it was, yeah, we were officially janitors. We were, that was my title, and uh, at least I took it off. So as, as other people, other, other kids would have these obligations, and as other kids would be having to do these things in their houses, you know, um, it was their, you know, how many people have chores? How many, and it, how many people had chores growing up? You had chores growing up. Well, my chores actually consisted of work at the church. That's, that's how bad or good it was, I should say. And uh, it's... You trying to tell me something? I don't know. Um, but that, that's how my life was. That's how I was raised. That's how I grew up, by fulfilling my chores. I would do chairs. I would take out trash. I would clean, clean things in the church. My chores were actually done at church. And even from there, I was able to do the Sunday morning specials. How many people remember Sunday morning specials? When, when they, they would have these, I don't know if you remember what they're called, cassette tapes. Does anybody remember those? You put these cassette tapes in... Um, you put this cassette tapes in the back, they would start it, and all of a sudden, this completely corny music would start playing, and then here I am, this little kid, and my voice, Cause when others see a shepherd boy 
God may see our King. And I would sing these songs, and, and, and the church would erupt. The church would be going crazy and so excited over this ministry that I was starting to go into. And I just felt so honored and privileged. And from there, I went on to be able to join worship teams. And I was the annoying guy on drums that everyone tried to keep quiet, but I would never be quiet enough. And then I went from there to being the youth worship leader. And what an honor and a privilege it was to be able to learn and grow as a youth worship leader at our church. And God just continually grew me in the church to the point where I feel and I felt like I was a son of the ministry, a son of His church. And through our heritage and through my grandfather and through my father, I saw myself becoming a son of ministry. But it's not because I felt that way. It's not because I was raised in the church that I am going into ministry today. It is not because I was raised in church that I feel that, uh, that I was grown and raised in this way, but it's because of the call that God has placed on my life and because of the obligation that I feel He's called from me and the duty that I feel He's called from me. And so growing up in ministry, I feel this call and I have this... Is there another mic or should I... It's all part of the ministry, right, Pastor Daryl? It's great. But the, the point that I want to make today and the, the whole purpose of telling you all this is we can have our identities in Christ as being sons and daughters, absolutely. And we can have our callings that we have on this planet, whatever it may be in your life. But the only way that these things can become in sync. The only way that we can stay connected with all that God has and wants for us is if we are led by the Spirit of God. In verse 14, it's, it didn't stutter when it said, because those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. There's an importance when it comes to being led by the Spirit. And it's Interesting, because we can say these verses and we can think them, but it's when we actually have to do them that they become difficult, is it not? We say, oh yeah, it's, we have to be led by the Spirit, but when the Spirit is leading us to do something we don't want to do, it becomes difficult, doesn't it? And even worse sometimes, when the Spirit is leading us to do something that doesn't make sense, or we think doesn't make sense, it becomes difficult, doesn't it? But we are called as sons of God and we are called with an obligation to be led by His Spirit to fulfill the purpose that we have on this planet. Even if it doesn't make sense, we're to follow the lead of the Spirit. I'll never forget a high school football coach of mine telling me as we were having this discussion after uh, a football game and during a, uh, we were just basically talking about the future and what my future might have been in football and and I said, well, actually, I've, I've made my decision. I'm not going to, to play football, but I'm going to go on and go to Christian Life College. And I'm going to become a pastor someday when I'm older. And i never forget what the coach's response is when he told me. He's like, Jonathan, that's, that's great, but, but that doesn't make sense. And, it, and it, I think it's really funny that a, that a high school football coach was telling me this, but he's like, where's the money at in, in ministry? Like, you're not, you're not going to be able to drive the, the nice cars. You're not going to be able to, to live the high life. You should go into business, be a CEO, do something extravagant. But little, little did he know 
that I was being led by someone so much higher than him. And that there was a call in my life and I was being led by the Spirit of God, even when it didn't make sense. And maybe he was right in some ways. Maybe the money isn't going to be the best. Maybe there's some business that can pay me a lot more and give me a lot more financial success. But even when it doesn't make sense, we need to follow the lead of the Spirit. I remember my family growing up, there'd be this extravagant missions offering that is about to be taken up and these missionaries that need help. And, you know, it's just one of those moments that is just emotional. I remember my father, even though we weren't in the necessarily the best financial situation, even though we just didn't have extra money to give, I remember him sensing God's leading. I remember him sensing the Spirit's leading to give in specific offerings as we were growing up. And whether we had it or not, he would follow the Spirit's leading, and he would give in those offerings. And am I saying it's, it's good to do that all the time? Absolutely not. Am I saying, should we have wisdom? Absolutely. But when there's a leading of the Spirit, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that the Spirit of God is leading you to do something, you must do it. You must do it. Even if it doesn't make sense, we must follow the leading of the Spirit. My father shared uh, stories about my grandfather and talked about my grandfather. And there's so many. I, growing up, I've heard so many stories about my grandfather and his faith and his ministry. But there's one story that I will never forget. And it was when he needed a haircut. Uh, and it was, it must have been really bad because he was actually praying, I guess, about getting how to get a haircut. He didn't have any money to get a haircut. I guess he was in college. And he didn't have any money to get a haircut. And he felt the Spirit of God leading him to just go to the barber shop. Now, how many people would say that would take faith? <laughs> that would take faith. And so he felt the Spirit's leading, and he went to this barber shop, and he was waiting. And, and can you just imagine the anxiety of just sitting there? I don't have a penny in my pocket, and here I am at the barber shop. God, what are you doing? And I'll never forget how the story continued as my grandfather went, and I guess he sat in the chair, and, and the barber started to get him all set, and he was about to say something because now it's like, God, if you haven't done anything yet, this, this, is, this is too much. I can't let him give me a haircut and say I don't have money. And so as the barber starts getting things on, my grandfather's about to say something when all of a sudden somebody walks in the room very quickly saying, I'm so, so sorry. I really need a haircut really fast. Is there any way I can go first? I'll pay for your haircut. What? Even when it doesn't make sense, we follow the lead of the Spirit. Because He knows, doesn't He? We are dependents of Him, and He knows better. He's given us an obligation in this life to fulfill our duties and our callings on this planet. But in order to achieve all that we are in Christ and all that God has called us to be, we must be led by His Spirit, even if it doesn't make sense. Continuing on this journey of stories, I have to mention one about the first conversation I had with Pastor Darrell. I'll never forget it because it was in his classroom uh, as I came here after high school. Of course, I um, came to Christian Life College and I was taking one of Pastor Darrell's classes and I'll never forget the first conversation I remember having with him was the conversation when I was dead asleep in his class. 
I, I don't know if I didn't get enough sleep the night before or what I was thinking, but I, I mean, it was bad. I had my arm out. I mean, it was everything, drooling, all this, oh. And I'll, I'll never forget our first conversation because it consisted of him coming and tapping me on the shoulder and saying, hey, uh, Jonathan, you want to join the class? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. And you, th- you see, it got worse because not only did I fall asleep in Pastor Daryl's class, but there was also this moment, I don't know, again, maybe I just didn't get enough sleep the night before, but I took one of his tests and I completely bombed his test. Bombed it. I don't even, I don't even think there's a letter for the grade that I probably deserved. And I'll never forget him giving it back. And I'm like, oh, I failed this test. This is terrible. And it was interesting because it was in that day that he also scheduled a lunch meeting with me. And um, it really scared me because, okay, I fall asleep in this guy's class. I fail his tests. And now he wants to take me to lunch. He must hate me. I mean, this is, if a guy has to take you to lunch to tell you how how terrible of a person you are. You must be bad. And who would have thought that in that meeting, as I thought it might have been about me sleeping in class, as I thought it might have been about my terrible grade that I got in this test, who would have thought that he was actually talking to me about coming on staff at Christian Life Church? Even when it doesn't make sense, right? even if it doesn't make sense. I want to just thank Pastor Daryl, and I want to thank this church for in the midst of a person who thought it was everything that was going to be wrong, but God had other plans. And because of Pastor Daryl's sensitivity to the Spirit, I'm here today. If it was by what made sense, I wouldn't be here. But it was because of the Spirit calling me And it was because of this church and this pastor's sensitivity that I can stand here today and thank you for allowing me to be ordained at this church and thank you for allowing me to grow in ministry at this church for who knows how long to come. God is, he's totally in control. And I submit to that. I submit to his timing. I submit to his care. I I submit to everything that he has for me and for this church. And I just want to thank you one more time again for allowing me to be ordained here at this church. It is such a blessing. Thank you very much. I remember it all well, so uh, I must be a very boring teacher because there's a lot of students that fall asleep and... (laughs) In class, and uh, you know, it is funny because I, I've, I've said this often that there's a lot of people that can get an A in Bible school that I would never think about hiring for ministry. And there's a lot of people that may fail our class, John didn't fail, but you know, that I would say, absolutely, I'd love to team up with you and work because God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart, and you can see Jonathan's heart a mile away that God has called him and equipped him. And I am thrilled that God has placed him here. And um, again, just what his words were today, that duty 
but also that dependency on God. I love what Paul talks about in the book of Romans, and this is as we go, listen to me. He says obligated over and over and over again. That's actually a word that's very difficult to translate into the English language because it's actually a slave term from the first century. He's saying, I'm a slave to God. I, I owe him more than I could ever repay. I'm in his service for the rest of my life. I am a bondservant to God. I am a slave to God. And, and, but you know what is great about Paul and Jonathan and what we've heard? It's good. It's all good. I got a debt I can't repay. I'm obligated. I have this duty. But it's good. Paul says, I'm eager to serve the Lord. I'm eager to do this. And uh, as you serve the Lord, you'll be amazed at what happens. And so I just encourage you to be sensitive to the Spirit and sow that seed because you never know when it's going to be repaid. All those offerings that, that were given by the Jensen family, maybe they didn't come back in money, but boy, you wouldn't trade this for anything in the world. See, when you sow the seed of whatever it is in your life, you're saying, God, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to obey you, God does great things. We have one more responsibility as a church, and that is to continue to pray for Jonathan and his life and his ministry. But not just Jonathan, and I didn't want to neglect this today, but we need to pray for Rebecca as well. Because although Rebecca's not ordained, and I look over here and I see Linda and my mom and Leslie, and you know we have these women that aren't ordained in ministry, but yet they serve in the same call because God's placed our lives together. And so we, we honor you today, Rebecca, as well, and we pray for you and for their families. So uh, keep them in prayer. And uh, so our blessing today is upon them, and it's on upon, upon all of us. But today especially, uh, we want to put our blessing on Lido as he goes uh, to serve our country overseas. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord this morning? While it may be special in particular for a few, it is for all of us because this is the blessing of the Lord that's been upon multiple generations that have followed him. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God, we thank you for that blessing that rests upon Leto as he goes that rests upon Jonathan and Rebecca in a life of service. But Lord, it doesn't rest on a precious chosen few. It rests upon all of us that name your name. Thank you, God, that you bless us and you give us favor and peace and strength. God, I thank you that you smile every time you look at us, knowing the good plans you have for our life. God, I pray that you would now keep us safe, keep us strong, until we can gather together again and worship you as the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look forward to next week going back into our parables uh, series, but we want to see you tonight at the Chili Cook-Off, one of the best nights of the year around here. So